Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. This is Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Kathy Knowles. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Henry. I appreciate being here. I'm excited to have you with us. So Kathy is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who speaks on the seven-step system for creating more purpose, profit, and possibilities rather than running a business that's stealing your soul, as she puts it. <laughs> very important. Yes, she, very. That's right. She, she works with entrepreneurs and small business owners to hire right the first time and have more loyal and dedicated employees and customers. Uh, ultimately, her clients make the leap out of the day-to-day and onto playing on a much bigger playing field so they can do the work that's in their heart and leave their legacy. Uh, Kathy has uh, over 25 years of HR experience, both in consulting and with an award-winning multi-million dollar company, and was recognized by the South Florida Business Journal as a human resources leader. She is the founder of Intuitive Strategies. Intuitive Strategies is a unique human resource consulting firm that helps service-based businesses and nonprofits build empowering teams uh, that drive home results. Kathy lives in the Melbourne, Florida area. I'm from South Florida myself, Kathy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And uh, in this episode, we're going to chat about her interesting personal journey to where she is today from uh, her start, and then do a deep dive on this topic of hiring right the first time. This is a big challenge for all of us. Uh, I'm challenged (laughs) with it. Always trying to learn and pick up tips and advice and, and techniques that make me better at it because I think it's part science, part art. At least that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. But we always got to get better at it. It drives everything, as, as we alluded to here in the bio. So with all that said, Kathy Knowles, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I, as I said, Henry, I'm, I'm really excited to be here today. So did you uh, grow up in the uh, Melbourne area or where are you from originally? Actually, no. I grew up in a really small farming community in northern Indiana, outside oh, of wow. Chicago. Yep, okay. yep. And when I was about 25 years old, I moved down to South Florida to Pembroke mm. Pines. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And then, right up uh, the street. Have plenty I, of family that's what I was going to say. As soon as you said <laughs> South Florida, I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, my um, mom is living in Pembroke Pines now, actually. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And then probably about three or four months ago, my husband and I decided to move up here to Melbourne. So we've really mm. been enjoying it. It's very nice. Yeah. 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 I grew up in South Florida and I visit often. I, I don't think I could quite live down there now, but we're yeah. we're planning our move to the West Coast here at some point. So, we'll Oh, that's wonderful. Up, yeah. Anywhere between Fort Myers and, and, and Tampa, kind of along that area there, that's, that's the target. Yep. We were looking at that area actually as well. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Beautiful. great place to live. And of course, you know, we we're fortunate the, the types of businesses that I've been building to an extent or people I have in place, I'm fortunate that I'm flexible on location. That's always been one of my aspirations as an entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. I, I you have that flexibility as well. Yes. That's all part of our freedom, right? That's, that's right. That's what yeah. we're doing this for. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So if I got the research right, you studied interior design in college. Yes, I did. And, you know, a far cry from where I am right now. But it's interesting in that I think somehow we always 
go to the space where our natural personality shines through, right? And I've always enjoyed people. And back when I was in high school and college and all that kind of stuff, you know, people would always sort of come to me with their problems. And I certainly didn't want to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. <laughs> so I think that's how I fell into the HR realm. <laughs> okay. But the interior design, that was, uh, so you were a creative person, I'm assuming, or was it more the technical aspects of design? What was it that appealed to you about it? Oh, no, it's the creative. It's, mm -hmm. it's you know, I I think many of us as entrepreneurs really appreciate that creative aspect of what we're allowed to do. I had it back when I was, a, you know, a child and, and into college, and it was all about being able to put things together to connect them. And really, you know, in some ways today, what I'm doing is not really a far cry from that because you're still in that creative space, right? So yeah, it's, um, that was really what intrigued me to interior design. Yeah, I agree completely. This is a topic that our listeners know I talk about a lot because it <laughs> fascinates me. The importance of creativity and how it's critical to our success as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So I want to just touch on that a little bit deeper because what I find with a lot of people, and this is just what our society and education system and so forth does to us, I think, <laughs> is we disconnect ourselves from that creative side that we associate with uh, children, with being young. And, and we're taught that discipline of staying within the box. How do you see it's helped you now today in the businesses that you operate, that ability to be tapped into your creative side? You know, it's really interesting, Henry, in that being tapped into the creative side is, you know, right, right brain, left brain kind of thing, right? And being able to move fluidly through both sides, I think, is very important so even when I talk about creative, I talk about standing in that gap of what we don't know yet, of words that aren't being said. Um, the gap is a very important place to be. And I believe mm -hmm. that that's where our creativity and our intuition uh, stirs within us very strong. So I have been doing that my whole entire career, even when I was in corporate. I think that's one of the reasons why it hiring and team building and all of that came so very natural to me is because I can go to that space where I understand how important creativity is uh, to everybody, mm. to our society in general. Yeah. To yeah, our no, society I, in general. I agree. I, and I think it's also at the end of the day, what, what, when we get to some level of success where then we find the true happiness is if we are being creative. You know, one of the ways I like to express it is I certainly have no plans to ever retire by the standard definition of that. Mm -hmm. I want to be creating as, as long as I possibly can create, regardless of what it might be that I'm creating. Mm -hmm. I, that is absolute truth. Yes. Mm -hmm. For me too. So tell me a little bit briefly about that career you after school, what did you do? And then getting into HR, just summarize that whole journey for us, if you would. You know, it's so interesting. After getting out of school, I did step into uh, what I went to school for. So I, I was in, in fashion for a long time. I started out in the small community I lived in, in South Bend. And then from there, ended up going to Chicago and working in Chicago for four or five amazing years. Then when it was time to start my family, um, I stepped away from all that. I mean, retail has a lot of crazy hours to it. And then over that time you know, 
HR just, I mean, human resources, hiring, recruiting, all of that just kept kind of jumping in my path. So that's mm. sort of what I was falling over, shall you say. So started with a recruiting firm, um, worked there for about a year and a half. And as much as I enjoyed the learning aspect of it and meeting people, recruiting wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, not this diehard kind of uh, yeah. hard sales recruiting. That's not who I am. Yeah. Um, so then I ended up getting more into the HR side of the business and absolutely loving it. I was a human resource director and um, started when the organization had 64 team members. And the owner of the company was absolutely my mentor. He allowed me to be very entrepreneurial um, I could walk away, create things, do things, come back to him later and say, oh, by the way, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, oh, great. Let's, you know, build on that. So I was always so blessed mm -hmm. in that way to be able to create. And I created everything. I created their system and processes for hiring, for performance reviews, for um, orientation when the new teammate come on, came on board, for OSHA. I was involved in aviation, so dealing with the FAA and setting a lot of those systems and processes up. So, yeah, I was really blessed to be able to have that opportunity to do so much. Yeah, definitely. Tremendous opportunity. All right. So then 2011, you start Intuitive Strategies. Tell us about that. What led to starting it? And were you were you working full time? And, and tell us about the transition into business <laughs> oh, that's always boy. a big one, right? That is a big one. And that's exactly what I did. I started to have this deep burning desire in me, in spite of, you know, having a, a great mentor, in spite of being able to be entrepreneurial. I was just, you know, the company had grown now up to 200 team members, and I didn't really see it getting any bigger than that. I, I did see it expanding and growing in amazing ways, but not really in regard to the team. And, and I was just, I had this yearning in me, right, to continue to be creative, to continue to be able to really tap into that intuitive aspect of myself. And so I said, you know what, it would really be fun to empower women. At the time I was hanging around with my friends and a lot of them just were not feeling empowered and they were not standing in the energy of who they were. And I said, this would really be fun. So I started learning more about it. And as I did that, I said, well, it's time, if I'm learning, I need to start teaching people. So I, I started doing workshops and seminars and weekend things and taking vacations, quite frankly, away from my corporate role to take a group of people to Colorado or, or Sedona, Arizona or somewhere. Um, so I was truly burning the candle at both ends mm -hmm. and it was rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at what point did you decide, so do you started Intuitive Strategies as part of that or was it an mm -hmm. official launch or tell me a little bit more about the start of it? I started Intuitive Strategies and as, as I said, I was kind of taking a different tour, a different mm -hmm. route with Intuitive Strategies. So yes, you could say I had an official launch, but really that whole entire time it was, it was a hobby. Okay. But in 2014, it was time to make the leap and oh... I was scared to death, Henry. I, you know, I was the breadwinner, you know, six figures, the four week vacation, the 401k, the full health coverage for a whole entire family. And I was completely freaked out. But the thing was, I knew at that point in time that I couldn't stay. 
You know, there was so much within me internally and this huge burning desire that I, I just couldn't keep turning my back on it anymore. And I said, this can't be a hobby. This has to be real because mm -hmm. I know I can do it. Do you think, do you think that um, part of it also is what I hear often and I've experienced it as long as it's a side hustle or slightly a hobby or whatever, you don't really put the energy into it to make it a legitimate business. Did that go into the thinking that yes. I got to either do this full time or not and see if it goes somewhere or not? Yes. Yes. Because part of it too was, you know, by now I had been burning the candle on both ends for three years. And right. let's face it, you can only take so many vacations away from corporate sure. to take 27 people on a women's retreat, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I just had to do it. I, so did you have uh, some savings? How did you plan for it financially? Because that's often a big challenge as you alluded to, you were making good money. I had this challenge and it's hard to let go of that. So mm -hmm. Were you at a point financially where you could take the leap or, or not? Or well, tell me a little bit about that. And, and spouse that was working, bringing in some of the income because that can help as well. Yes. And I do have a spouse that, that, that is bringing in some income. Yes. So I was very blessed for that. And my business was really growing. So what I was finding was I would take those retreat moments, right? And that would be money that I would intentionally not spend. Uh -huh. So when I would do those kind of bigger things, the workshops, the retreats, the, the, the events, I would take that money and I would put it away. Mm -hmm. The small money that I would be earning from my business, um, when I say small money, I, I, what I'm, what I'm sorry, what I'm referring to is, um, doing private sessions, private right. coaching, that type of thing, I would take that money and put it towards, okay, so do I need a new Mac? I need a new printer. I need a scanner. I, you know, those type of things. Like that's what I was intentionally doing with that money. I'd pay my taxes with that money. Um, so that when it was time for me to go, I had a, a specific dollar amount yeah. and, and then, then too, I, I did get paid out some of my vacation time and, and all of those wonderful things as well. Yeah, that, that took a lot of discipline and that's fantastic because what can happen to us is we take that as a, that you could have easily taken that money as additional income because we quickly adjust our lifestyle, yes, right? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Instead, what you did was a side hustle bootstrap and that's, that's classic. And then you're be to, you know, be to commended for that because that's not easy to do. Um, nonetheless, did you define for yourself a certain runway? I've got six months to make this work. I've got a year to make this work. Or how did you go into it? What was the mindset at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So nonetheless, as much as it sounds great up to this point, <laughs> oh, I, I, so I left corporate. I was, I took a little bit of time off. I have to say, I really needed a couple months to just yeah. kind of breathe into it. And I really didn't take it off, but I wasn't really working as hard as I could. And then I said, cause in my mind I said, okay, I have six to nine months for this. And it didn't happen. Um, I found that, that the side of my business that I was doing in regard to empowerment and that type of thing, I quickly found that when I was doing it for real, for real, no more hobby, um, I wasn't enjoying it. I absolutely loved my clients. I absolutely loved that empowerment side, you know, leadership and all of that, but it wasn't enough for me anymore. Then I started to miss this HR aspect. 
And so now I'm nine months out. I am now doing this for full time. And I'm saying, I don't want to be doing this. And I feel like I have to start over. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. So for me, I went about a year and three months before I started to really um, gain ground. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was a it was I, tough. It oh, was I can tough. imagine. I can imagine. At that point when you were pivoting and changing direction, did, did it cross your mind? Maybe I should go back to the corporate world? Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And quite frankly, you know, every once in a while, even after that, for probably about the first two and a half, three years, I thought, oh, you know, should I just go back? And I have not questioned that at all in the year of 2000, you know, for where we are right now, this mm-hmm. this 2017, um, since probably about spring, uh, because I see the shifts and the changes. And I feel that now um, this whole moving forward is something that is so strong and so powerful that I couldn't go back. Yeah. I couldn't go back to corporate today. I hear you. That's the way I look at it. Is every day that I'm separated from it, it's going to be harder to go back. If I have to, if that's the way I've got to put food on the table, if you will, then that's what I'll do. But yeah. What do you, at this point, what do you love most about being your own boss? Oh, you know, besides the freedom, I I truly love showing up in a space where I can help small businesses and, and business owners um, become the best that they can be in the skill set that I know so well, you know, something that comes to me so naturally. Um, it, it just, it feels like it's just this really powerful win-win and there's nothing better than that for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I can relate, relate to that. I think all of us listening who are entrepreneurs can relate to that because we, when we feel like we are doing, when we feel like we are leveraging our skills and abilities to the best possible extent, and it has nothing to do necessarily with money, although we, we need to make money to do it, mm-hmm. but, but it's about feeling like what I did today, I leveraged my best unique abilities and there's no better feeling than that. Yeah. And, you know, the awesome thing is that whole piece about being creative, right? Being creative and having our own insight and intuition. That's when we're unique. That's when we're in that space of our complete uniqueness. And then we, when we take our natural abilities, our natural skill set, which, you know, was the challenge that I, I tried to step away from that. And it didn't feel hard at the beginning, but then it did feel hard. So I had to step back into what I naturally shine at. Mm -hmm. So when you take those two things, magic happens. Yeah. Great. So speaking of helping small business owners and Mm -hmm. making some magic happen, I'm hoping you can help us with the topic I want to dive into here, which is hiring right the first time, as you put it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Why in your observation uh, is it that as small business owners, we struggle so much with this? I think it's a few things. Um, Number one, I think it's the leader, the business owner, or, you know, the person in that role, Um, maybe not being clear on what it is that they really need, what it is that this position really uh, needs to look like, the end result. I think that there's a challenge in letting go of control. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I know I'm that way anyway, you know, feeling like I, I need to be involved in it so much. And I think too, there's this tendency to say, well, you know what? Uncle Frank needs a job. And, oh, man, Sally down the street, you know, I know she's looking for something and, wow, she could help me out. And then next thing you know, you're three or four or five years down the road and Uncle Frank and Sally could never really do the job anyway. Now you have other team members that are surrounding you. And it doesn't matter if you're a solo entrepreneur and you're working with contract people or if you physically have this brick and mortar business, it's the same thing. Next thing you know, you're surrounded by um, people who not only couldn't they do the job in the first place, but now your business has really outgrown them. There's a mindset component. You've touched on that. And another component that we'll talk about from a mindset perspective, mindset perspective is how I go about, in other words, do I rush through the process? How do I see the process? But do you see it as a skill that we can get better at or are we oh, either yeah. good or not good at hiring? It's an art and it's a science. Um, definitely. Just like with you interviewing me, right, Henry, you've, you've learned over the course of this that there's a definite art and science to it, to a good interview and to asking those powerful questions. And it's the same in, in an interview for a position. Um, and something that I'm really a big fan on is not only getting really clear on what it is that you need, but to know, for instance, the key result areas. So if you knew that you were hiring, let's say a social media expert, let's just say social media, you're looking for a social media expert and you say, well, what is the most important thing that I want this person to accomplish? So, well, I need leads. I need leads so that I can talk to more businesses and I can tell them what I can do. I need some more, you know, warm, hot leads. So lead generation. And then I really want to be out there on a social media platform. Uh, you know, I want this person to be really I want people to know my brand. So now you have social media platforms. And another part of it could be writing blogs, you know, that creative side of marketing and social media. So then what you do is you have those three pieces and you say, okay, well, this person to really do this well, I want them to spend 55% of their time just working on creating leads. And then the other 45%, they can divide up between uh, social media platforms letting people know our brand and really getting out there and blogging and, and doing that written material. I think that'll work when you're that clear, then you can create interview questions that are behavioral based to ask the applicant to peel back the onion to see how strong are they in lead generation? How strong are they on these platforms and helping us build our brand? So it is an art and it is a science. Yeah. All right. A lot of great stuff there. And, and you and your writings and stuff I read and doing the research, you you call it that it's important to focus on this as a process, not a conversation. And we were starting to touch on what we mean by a process. But yeah. uh, talk to me a little bit more about that. One of the ways that we like to put it, which I think is to your point, is as small business owners, we tend to declare victory at the higher and that's only the beginning of the process, right? <laughs> yes. But it even goes earlier than that, which is what you've just touched on, which uh, do I take the time 
to properly define, like you said, what's the most important thing I want this person to accomplish. Let that then define this, this job description, if you will, is what I call it. And then that drives those questions that you're asking. But tell me more about the interview process in specific and what are some of the other components that make it a process and not just a conversation. Right. You know, I love processes. I'm very system driven. And so I have a lot of them throughout my whole entire business. But it's said that when you ask um, behavior type questions, you are more apt by 55% to get the right person in to be able to do this role. They say in traditional interviewing, it's only 10% that you may may or may not hire the correct person. So in the interview, when you're, you are doing this type of behavioral-based interviewing, you really want them to tell a story. So you would ask open-ended questions that might start with, um, describe a time when, or give me an example of, right? So, so for instance, one of the things that you could ask someone is, um, Let's say you were uh, hiring someone in a management role or more of a leadership role. You could ask, give me an example of a time when you needed to discipline an employee for performance or tardiness or whatever it may be. And then they'll answer that. And you'll hear, you'll hear something in that answer. And then you'll say, could you tell me a little bit more about that conversation that you had with the, the employee? Well, what were you thinking at that point in time? And what was the outcome? So when you ask those four questions, and there's a flow to it, um, that applicant is truly telling a story. Mm-hmm. And, what, and are you, what are you listening for as they're answering those questions, besides the obvious, but what, what clues related to this? Because this behavioral yeah. piece is the key thing. And I'm curious, what, what specifically are you listening for? Mm, sure. I'm listening for the step-by-step details because I want to really know that they've done this before. Um, I'm listening to how easily they communicate this process with me mm-hmm. because we know it's not easy to terminate someone or to write someone up for you know dis- disciplinary reasons, but how easily did they communicate that? Mm-hmm. How confident are they in in sharing that story with me and very important. What was the end result? Did that employee stay? Did they go? What happened with that? What happened? Yeah. And then listening for that, then you're, you're uncovering or more likely to uncover the true way they behave in those Mm -hmm. situations, as opposed to their scripted answer to a standard interview question. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many of those that you can use. And when it really gets powerful is if you're hiring a salesperson and now you're gearing that towards a sales conversation. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the biggest deal you've ever closed. How long did it take? How did you find the lead? What's your closing rate? You know, all those, all of those questions can be revolving around one client that they worked with. Yeah, I love this quote. Uh, I found it somewhere on your website, I believe, or some other materials that quote, the most powerful piece of advice I often give business owners is to ask strong and effective questions, end quote. I love that because I, I believe in that and, and that that applies 
throughout, not just in interviewing, but in sales and in our interactions with people. It, mm-hmm. That learning how to ask effect, effective questions is key to success, no matter what you're doing, is my belief. Oh, I love that, Henry, because, yeah, when we're curious, we're always learning, right? And that's what that's what we're here to do is to learn and grow. I think one of the challenges that often people have is they don't listen. They ask a question and then they don't actively listen. And I know it's a hard thing to do. You know, as I'm conducting this interview, I'm asking a question, I'm trying to listen, but I'm also thinking about where I'm going to go next and I'm reading my notes. But when you're interviewing specifically, you have to be quiet and let the person talk. And what I've often found, and I'm sure you found as well, Kathy, but I love your insights, is in those moments of creating what people feel is awkward silence, people really start to reveal more about themselves in those situations, I find. Mm, I agree completely. And, you know, in that awkward silence, it tells us a lot. And I'm not, and I'm not saying, oh, it's telling us about the person because of the awkward silence, but um, that's the gap. Right. Yeah. And, and to clarify, what I'm saying is that I need to remain silent. The person yes. will give me their pattern, you know, scripted, rehearsed answer. And then I wait because I want, I want yeah. more than that. Right. I want how you really feel and what you really experienced. And it, yeah. I'm more likely to get that if I'm just remain quiet after I ask the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, as I, yeah, it's the gap. It's being in that space where, mm-hmm. okay, we're sitting here now. We're together. And waiting for more information. And sometimes if that does not happen, I'll wait that period of time and I'll ask the exact same question mm. again. Nothing changes, right? It's, we need to move forward with this, this question. And it, you don't know the answer, that's okay too. But I need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love and that. again, it's the power of being in that silence, that that space right there. It's, it's a very powerful moment because that might be the, the moment when this candidate or this applicant is already saying to themselves, oh, this company isn't right for me. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, how do I move forward in answering this question? Because I'm not really comfortable with it, but it can tell you so much at that point in time. And again, you know, I always say with interview questions, I want to be really clear on this. There's no right or wrong answers because each company has its own culture, has its own way. Um, You know, every organization is unique. So what might be right for one company may not be right at all for another. So it's not that 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 moment is bad. It just is what it is and we need to be in it. Yeah, love that. Since we're on this topic, are there other techniques or tips, whether it's in the way you ask questions or the setting, whether it's a phone interview, one-on-one, group interviews, anything else that comes to mind that you see that you recommend that's effective that we might not think about? Just really being open and and being staying focused on the interview, but being transparent in that interview. I mean, you know, we certain that the interview is not a time to be hearing about kids and dogs and the car that's about to break down or whatever that may be. 
stay focused on what it, the position is that they are applying for, but yet be transparent. If there was a point in time when there was a really a real challenge, whether it be with another employee, whether it be with a supervisor, whether it be with, with um, handling a deadline, whether it be with a big mistake that that person made, whatever that is, be transparent with that because it's going to shine through. It will show. Okay. A couple of quick fire questions. Um, sure. Job posting sites. What are your thoughts? I like them, but my thought really is go to where the candidate is. We have so many amazing, especially if you're looking at building a virtual team. And even if you're not, you can still work with some people virtually. We have such amazing network at our fingertips now. Go into groups such as LinkedIn. Um, go into Facebook groups where these people hang out. As far as my thoughts on j actual postings, it would be Zipper and Deed right now. They're okay. the big ones, but you don't have to go there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, recruiters, what are your thoughts? I love them for specific positions. I do feel that for a small business, it can be very challenging to pay eight, you know, anywhere from 18 to 28% and not really know if that person is going of annual salary and not know if that person's going to work out. I think there are many stronger options to go uh, before working with a recruiter in terms of that. Great, great insights there. All right, would you introduce to us the, the your find and fill formula? I believe there's there's three <laughs> key elements that, that make that up. Introduce that for us if you would. Yeah, the find and fill formula is really all about, first of all, getting clear on the candidate. This is a seven-step process that I have that really walks any business through from the very beginning, getting clear on the position, through the interview questions, through the how to handle reference checks, through personality profiles that I completely believe in and love, through um, how to make the offer in a real clear manner, and then orientation. And the awesome thing about the find and fill formula is it can be replicated over and over again for every position within the organization, because there's templates and everything involved. So it's a great way to truly take the headache and exhaustion out of hiring and hire that right person. Okay. All right. So there's seven steps in this formula. Is there one of them that, that stands out that you see a lot of small business owners don't even think about including in the process? We're going to go to reference checks right now because not only small businesses, but large businesses will not do reference checks either. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's so much that you can find out. You can think that you have an amazing candidate in front of you and they are the one and they are going to completely change your whole organization. But then you call their past employer or, you know, maybe you go out to some of the social media sites and just you know, see what you can see, right? Um, or depending on what the position is, you may want to know at that point in time that you're pulling a credit check because maybe they're handling that side of your business. Um, it's just really important to always do background checks and reference checks. So my thought on reference checks, Kathy, is that if you as the applicant are giving me references and you've told me I can contact past employers, first of all, past employers are going to probably not going to say much unless it's really bad. 
and the references you give me are going to ideally speak glowing you of glowingly of you or you would not have given them to me so i've always looked at it as a check in the process that at least you've given me that what what am i missing you know it's really interesting um first of all the reference and this is another thing that i give to clients who work with me it's all about the power of the question correct mm-hmm. yep, yep. <laughs> so we need to be asking the people that we're calling the right questions as well. And I think that's part of the challenge is, you know, we just kind of call and say, well, did he show up on time or she, did she get there? Did she work every day? Um, But it is in the power of the question, just the same as the interview, number one. And number two, it serves the company to be very forthright and truthful about how it, how the actual employment went. When I ask for references, I want references physically from where they worked. I don't care. You know, I really don't want to talk to their best friend, Joe. I want them to give me references from where they were currently working. And I want to know it was their supervisor or someone that they reported to. Hmm, Interesting. Do you, are, are you finding that a lot of companies though are hesitant to give a negative reference out of fear they might get sued? Yes. And what's so crazy about that, Henry, is actually the opposite can happen. You're not going to get sued for telling the truth. You're going to get sued if you don't tell the Mm, truth. Very interesting. And that team member was terminated for hurting another employee. Yeah, for harassment or theft or whatever. Now I've passed that forward in a sense. Yes. Now you've passed it forward and, and now they're working for your business. You've been lied to and now they hurt an employee, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That it, so it really is the opposite. Everyone says, oh, I shouldn't be truthful about that because we have to save the company. Well, as long as you're being truthful, you're real, you, you are saving the company. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, it's great insights. I, I will just throw out as a caveat, you know, neither Kathy nor I are attorneys that if it's a yes. sensitive topic, you need to consult with your attorney first and decide on what's appropriate to disclose or not to disclose. That's correct. Uh, but very good insights there. And that, that helps me personally on the way I look at reference checks, even personal reference checks. I agree. It's in the questions. And sometimes it's in what they don't say. I'm reading in between the lines on how they say <laughs> what they say, right? Absolutely. Again, it's that silence, that gap. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. All right. I got to ask about millennials because that's, you know, such a hot topic mm-hmm. and a challenge for certainly me at my age. Uh, and And tell us what what you found, what we're missing there, particularly in attracting millennials to the positions that we have available. Yeah, I think we need to make things more fun for them. I think that, um, number one, we need to uh, allow them to finish the job, to complete that role the way they want to. When you work with millennials, they really do want to know A to Z. They want to know what the big picture is They want to know what the goals and expectations are very clearly of them. And then they want us to get out of the way so that they can go do it. (laughs) And, and again, remember at the very beginning, I said, Ooh, one of the hardest things is for us as owners to give up control. This business is our baby, right, wrong, or indifferent. It is what it is. And that's what really millennials in so many ways are demanding us to do. So, um, when you are in that space of really being able to be clear because clarity equals focus for all of us, but especially for them. 
And when you can allow them to do it their way, which is going to feel very uncomfortable and untraditional for us, they do amazing things. Mm -hmm. But they're demanding a lot from us as well. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. Good insights there. All right, a couple more rapid fire questions here. If I've hired the wrong person, what's the best advice on how to handle it? I mean, I've always tried to adhere to the whole hire, uh, hire slowly, fire fast kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made this mistake again and again and again, where I try to save someone or I give them another yep. chance or what have you. What's your thoughts on that? Yes, I do believe in hire slow, fire fast. And there's much more to it than that. Sure. So if you find someone is really not working out and you, number one, be clear, be really clear. Like when a, when a manager used to come to me in corporate and say, well, we've got to let this, this person go because he's just not working out. I always used to ask them, well, when you let them go, are they going to be surprised? Hmm. And if the answer is yes, then they haven't done their due diligence. Right. So a performance improvement plan needs to be created, something that's fair to the company as well as to them, where there is a meeting once a week or once every two weeks to see how they're improving. And in regard to terminations, I have terminated, unfortunately, hundreds of people. So what I would do is I would sit down and write the two or three bullet points of why that person is being terminated. And when they were sitting in my office and all of a sudden, you know, things were being thrown against the wall to just see what would stick, I would write, I would constantly look down and look at my bullet points and just more or less repeat the same thing. Yeah. Because at that point in time, we had done everything we possibly could to get to have this work and it's just not working. Yeah. I think those are two fantastic tips uh, that I will take away. Again, if, if that person is caught by surprise, I haven't done mm-hmm. my job, right? That means- You have not. I have not yep. provided them an environment where I've articulated clearly to that person what they're doing wrong and an opportunity to correct it. And therefore it's on me. And, and again, when you have that hard meeting, um, you've already decided and you have the reasons why you've done your job in, in this exchange of value here and, ex- and expressed to them previously why they're underperforming. And so that's what you have to stick with. Um, and, you know, I have a really interesting question, and, I, and I'm sorry to cut you off here, oh, Henry, no, no, but I think it's important. One of the things that I, that I ask people a lot is, what would you do if you were me? Mm-hmm. And t- team members have actually said, well, if it happens again, you should fire me. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's powerful. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so on this whole, as we start to wrap it up on this whole topic of hiring right the first time, and I'm listening to all this advice, great stuff, where should I get started? What should be my first step? Clarity equals focus. Mm -hmm. So often people come to me and say, oh, Kathy, I'm so burnt out. I'm so overwhelmed. I have a headache and I just need an assistant. Oh, do you really need an assistant? Is that really what you need? Or are you just putting more gas on the fire? So clarity equals focus. Okay. I love that. All right. I I kind of asked you this already when I asked you what you love about being your own boss, but uh, I'll ask it in a slightly different way. What do you love most about what you do today? And in particular, in when you're engaging with your clients, what what do you love the most? Um, Empowering them. 
allowing them to understand what the importance of a strong, powerful team can do, not only do as a team and the cohesiveness and the fun and the journey that they're on, but what they can do for the business, for bottom line results, for bottom line profits, and what a really strong organization can do for a community and for the world. Mm, Um, There's power in that. There's power in that. Wonderful. All right. So summarize for us what Intuitive Strategies offers, the services you offer your clients, and who who your ideal client is. Absolutely. So I help businesses hire. That's one of the things that I do with my find and fill formula. And then I also help them build teams, teams that do make a difference in bottom line profits, as well as up-leveling the business. With I have a team engagement formula that I work with, and I also work with brand new CEOs that are in the space of building their business. Where do I go to get, you know, who do I hire first? What does that look like? And that's Uh, CEO business blueprint. So there's many things that are covered in that, including strategizing the business and what will it look like one year from now? Okay, great. Great stuff. All right. uh, Books. I'm always interested in recommendations. Is there a book you've Mm -hmm. read recently or in the past that you would recommend? Well, I'm going to give you two because I do have a recent one, but I have my forever favorite. (laughs) And my my forever favorite is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Hmm amazing, amazing book. And when you can work through those five dysfunctions, you will have a team that can literally run by itself. You don't need to be there. You can go do whatever it is that you want to (laughs) do. And my favorite new book that I'm reading right now, not new, but it's new for me, is um, The 12-Week Year. Because I do believe not in not doing a a one-year performance review as much as Every four months, what are we doing? What's new? What goals do we need to accomplish? So I love the 12-week year. Very powerful. Okay, excellent. I have not read either of those. Thank you for those recommendations. We'll have links to those on the show notes page of this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Awesome. Wonderful, Kathy. We'll wrap it up here with the last couple of questions. And and that the first one is, what what's one thing you want to leave us with on this topic that we've chatted about hiring to write the first time. Is there one thing or one action you want our listeners to take after they listen to this episode? Um, Know the importance of what it is to have a system and process for your hiring and understand that it truly is an art and science. And once you have that one piece of your business articulated you will find that it will make massive, massive change within your organization. That's great. I agree with that. Where would you like us to go online to find out more about you and Intuitive Strategies? Absolutely. So my business is Intuitive Strategies. So you can find me at intuitivestrategies.com or kathyknowles.com. They both lead to the same place. And um, there, if you would like, if you would message me where you'll see a place where you can do that, my email is kathy at intuitivestrategies.com. I can send you a freebie that I have, which is 18 interview questions to ask your ideal hire. And these are questions that you can use for anyone in your organization and any position that you're hiring for. 
So just drop me a line and I'll be more than happy to get that over to you. Fantastic. Fantastic. And if you didn't get all that because you're not where you can write it down, just remember the howabusiness.com. We'll have links there to all of that. And so be sure to take Kathy up on that offer. It's a great, uh, great tool, if nothing else, in addition to everything that we've gotten out of this conversation. So Kathy, to that end, thank you so much for, for taking the time, for sharing your knowledge. I've taken away some valuable, actionable tips, which is exactly what I try to accomplish with this podcast. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Henry. It was an absolute pleasure. This is Henry Lopez. And my guest was Kathy Knowles. Thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.